Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Joining us today is Dr. Jill Cruz, ready to answer our medical questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works as a hospitalist with the Brookings Health System and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Always a pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, we, we're we always open to any questions. So if you have, mm-hmm. if any listeners have a question, give us a call. Uh, but we're going to focus in on elder care for a little while this week in our Prairie Doc topics. Uh, this is a topic you really dove into last fall. And yes. uh, this week with SDPB programming, there's not a new live show to share this week, but uh, we're going to revisit that topic, which is such an important topic. It is. And, you know, because we all have aging parents or we're aging ourselves, and there's a lot of things that, that go into that that transition how because most people want to stay in their own home for as long as possible how can we do that safely because there are so many so many things that are available now that weren't 10 20 you know years ago Mm -hmm. that can help make people more independent in their homes safer Mm -hmm. so you know rails and you know chair lifts and and different devices you know the little stairs um (laughs) Uh, chairs that go up the stairs. Yeah, I mean, there's, the, there's mm-hmm. all of these devices that can help keep people independent in their own home longer. And I think people just need to, one, know that they exist, and two, then know how to get a hold of them and, and start using them. If that's your goal is to stay safely in your own home, how can we safely make that happen? Right. And like you mentioned, some of that just takes some thinking ahead and planning mm-hmm. ahead before maybe you need some of these things, maybe what identifying your goals and identifying some ways that you can help maintain those as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, actually, we we built a house about, I guess it's two years ago now, we started building a house, and we actually planned for, like, living in this house until we die. So there are bracings in the bathroom for where I can put a grab bar. Mm-hmm. There are, the shower is wide enough to put a wheelchair in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, we paid attention. There are ways when you're building or remodeling a home to make it handicap accessible from the start. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, with those were little things that we thought about of, okay, when I send people home who have had a hip surgery or they've had their knee replaced, what sort of things did we need to do to accommodate to make their home safe after they leave the hospital? And can I get my home set up for that? So in the future, should either my husband or I need that, Mm -hmm. it's already there. Right. Mm -hmm. So little stuff literally behind the drywall that no one will know is there, but there are extra bracing so I can put a grab bar in the shower so I can have a seat in the shower so I know I can get a wheelchair or a walker easily through because some of these older houses the doorways are narrow and Mm -hmm. you can't get you know a walker into a bathroom safely so what do you do otherwise to make it safe for that person to get in and out of that area Mm -hmm. 
Right. Great advice. Well, we're here today to answer your medical questions. So if you'd like to give us a call, the phone number is 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. We'll be going to our first break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Before the break, we were talking about how to maybe adjust our homes to make them a safe place for as long as possible as we age and perhaps deal with different health issues. What are some of the ways we can learn about those resources and services and um, tools that are available to us yep. if needed? Well, your primary care physician is always a good first person to reach out to. But, you know, any of these home medical stores, they've got tons of things. And if they don't have it in their store, I'm sure they have a catalog for it. There's lots of really cool um, devices that if you're having a hard time just getting up out of a chair, there's like a kind of a telescoping bar that you can install to help grab and stand up with, Mm -hmm. which is really neat. You know, lift chairs, scooters, all these mobility adaptive devices, you know, things to help get socks on or the the TED hose, those tight compression stockings, which are notoriously difficult to get on. Mm -hmm. There are all these tools that can make getting those things on easier. Mm -hmm. All right. I was revisiting the television show, and um, you guys talked there, too, about how the Department of Health and Human Services is a really great resource. Wonderful resource. Yep. And talk to your pharmacy. There is something that's called compliance packaging where um, they will put your medications, your Monday AM pills in this little pocket and your, you know, Monday PM pills, and then you just pop out, you know, okay, it's Monday AM all of them are there all together so you don't have to open 20 bottles mm-hmm. there you just op- it's a little blister pack you open up that blister pack and that's what you need to take at that time and it's easy to see did i take it or not oh it's empty yep i must have taken it it's full oh i forgot to take it i need t- so that's a very good way for family also without having to do the math of okay this prescription was filled on the 5th. Mm-hmm. It's now the 15th. There should be 10 fewer pills in here than the total it, without having to, you know, lay them all out and count and say, oh, you know, there's 20 pills in here. There should only be 15. Obviously, five days were missed. With the compliance packing, you can say, oh, yep, that day was missed. That day was missed. This day was taken. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a wonderful resource. So that's something you can just request at the you pharmacy? You can request at the pharmacy. There's a, usually a small fee associated with doing that. Okay. The pharmacists are really good. I've had that with people where we worry about, are they taking their meds? Do we know if they've missed them? Are they missing all of them or just one of them? You know, mm-hmm. did they? And then a lot of times asking, you know, if, if you as a family member notice, God, they have tons of this one prescription, but all the other ones seem to be used. Why? Mm-hmm. So I've had people say, you know, I stopped taking my my fluid pills because I can't make it to the grocery store if I take them, or I can't make it to the doctor's appointment, so I won't take them that day because I'm afraid I'm going to have an accident on the way mm-hmm. to where I'm going, or mm-hmm. I don't want to take it before church because I'm not going to make it through the service if I take this medication. I have, or, you know, find out about side effects you know, tell tell your doctor and we can adjust things. And right. We can, we can work on that. So if you notice it's not not that they're missing all their pills, it's they're missing certain ones, that may be that there's a side effect that I can address and can substitute something else. Mm-hmm. You know, ACE inhibitors are a classic example that, you know, about 20% of people will get kind of this dry, 
tickle in their throat and kind of a chronic nagging cough. It's annoying. Mm -hmm. Is it dangerous? No. Mm -hmm. Is it very annoying? Incredibly. But I'll have people that say, well, I just stopped taking it because I hated that cough. And then I'm like, but your blood pressures are horrible. Mm -hmm. Guess what? That's not the only medication for blood pressure out there. There's lots of other options. So if they're not taking something because there's a side effect or there's a problem, let me know. I can probably fix that Mm -hmm. with switching to a different medication that does the same thing in a different way may not have that same side effect. So again, you know, looking at medication, is it being taken? Is it not being taken? And then trying to figure out why. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's also common, I understand, for a a child or a friend or someone to attend a doctor's appointment with you if your medications and things are getting a little complicated just to help understand and put all those pieces of the puzzle together. Yes, right? yeah. yes. And, and this is where having like kind of a, a health journal mm-hmm. can be good for all of this, where, you know, one page is you write down, these are the meds that I take. Um, you know, there's several of them available on, if you just, you know, look on Amazon. Um, actually, there's a doctor friend of mine, she made one, and she sent me a copy of them, like, oh, this is a great idea. Okay. So, you know, it writes down, you know, who is your doctor? Who are all your specialists? Because, you know, do you remember the name of your kidney doctor? You see him once a year. Do sure. you remember the name of your heart doctor? Or who is your dermatologist? Or when your family member is trying to make an appointment for you, do they know who to ask for? Yeah. So if you have all of that written down, these are all my doctors that I see. These are all my specialists. These are the medications I take. This is when my next appointment. I see the cardiologist twice a year. Mm-hmm. My last appointment was this time. My next one is that time. So keeping kind of that journal so you know what's going on, um, or especially if you're dealing with a family member, kind of having that journal. So you can say, okay, this is what this doctor said on this day, especially when someone's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Everyone's tired. Everyone's stressed. Mm-hmm. It's hard to remember what's going on. What did they say? The plan may change day to day. Yesterday, you know, we're going to surgery. Today, no, we're not. Mm-hmm. So to keep track of all of that when you're tired in a stress-filled situation when someone's hospitalized, write it down. Don't, don't ask your body to remember one more thing. Right. So that's a great way to everyone be on the same page. That stuff gets updated because, you know, even myself as a doctor, when I talk to someone in the morning and then I get their labs back, the the plan may change. Sure. And then Mm -hmm. I'll talk to a different family member and say, okay, this is what we're doing now. And they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. So you can get a lot of miscommunication just because in the hospital, plans are fluid and mm-hmm. we're always tweaking and adjusting based on response. Of, mm-hmm. Oh, we gave this medication. It didn't work. Oh, well, guess what? We're going to pivot and try something different and keeping that journal. So, you know, okay, this is the current up to date plan as of this moment, knowing it may change. That's a good way of keeping everyone on the same page. That's a great idea. I love that idea of a resource like that, a tool like that. And like you said, you could pass it around between family members mm-hmm. if you needed to. Uh, we have electronic medical records now, which are wonderful. Yeah. I, I enjoy being able to log in and check back. When did I go in? What, you know, what prescriptions did I have when? Uh, those are a great resource. But if you start seeing different specialists in different clinics, then we're talking multiple mm-hmm. electronic medical Reference. records, and it's a little bit tricky to navigate. Yeah, especially if they're in different houses. If your right. cardiologist is at Sanford and you see Midwest ear, nose, and throat, and then your primary care doctor is at Avera, now you've got three different systems and their records don't talk to each right. other. Right. So keeping 
everything in one central organized place would be yeah. helpful. Or just remind you like, oh yeah, I do need to, if I want mm-hmm. that information, I log into this. Or this, this is the password and for this. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. My passwords for all of those health portals. It's, right. It's a lot to keep track of. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's a great suggestion. Thank you to Dr. Cruz for sharing that. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Cigarette smoking is the number one cause of lung cancer, but it can also be caused by other forms of tobacco like pipes and cigars or breathing secondhand smoke or being exposed to asbestos or radon. We also are concerned with people who have a family history of lung cancer. Lung cancer symptoms may include coughing that gets worse and doesn't go away, chest pain, shortness of breath, wheezing, and coughing up blood. Other illnesses that can cause these these symptoms should be investigated as well. If you have any symptoms, talk to your doctor. For help to quit smoking, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit cdc.gov slash quit. Your provider at the Avera Medical Group is a good resource to discuss lung symptoms. Call 697-9500 for an appointment. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. On Monday morning, we had a two-hour late start here, a little rough weather because we've had a lot of that this winter. Uh, And I went outside to just shovel that little bit of snow I was just mm-hmm. going along with my shovel, and then all of a sudden, I was on the ground, <laughs> like just like that. Fell so hard on my tailbone, bumped my head a bit, and I'm okay. But it's amazing how fast you can fall. Yes, uh, and yes, thankfully I'm okay. A little, little, I might have a little bruise, but I'm all right. But as we age, sometimes um, mm-hmm. those falls can really impact how we. Our healing process, too, is is a little bit slower. So let's talk about falls, Dr. Cruz, and um, how those can be so dangerous for us. Well, the best thing we can do is try to prevent them in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, throw rugs are one of the first thing that if an occupational therapist goes into someone's home and does what's called a home safety eval, that's going to be the first thing they're going to say, please take those throw rugs away. Because... If they're, especially if they're not secured well, you know, if you've got a throw rug on a linoleum floor, it's going to slide. Mm-hmm. And that could be something where you could easily lose your footing. You know, looking at different thresholds, how you switch from an area that's carpeted to hardwood or vice versa. If, is there a lip there? Is that somewhere where you could potentially trip if you're not able to pick your feet up? You know, someone who has nerve damage to their feet, you know, from diabetes or or different types of neuropathy, where you're not sensing the ground as well because those nerves are damaged, makes it easier to fall. Mm -hmm. And then vision. If, If you have problems with cataracts, problems with, you know, glaucoma, your vision is impaired, you may not see something that's on the ground and you may trip over something. So, you know, keeping walkways clear, free of clutter, free of 
you know, things that could potentially trip you. And unfortunately, this is where our furry friends, you know, cats and dogs, especially, you know, the cats that love to rub up against mm-hmm. your leg as you're walking, that may potentially, I've seen lots of little lap dogs, you know, the little shih tzus, the little chihuahuas that end up being tripping hazards mm-hmm. that, you know, they were coming up and running and looking for a little love and they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time and can cause someone to fall. So I'm not saying get rid of your dogs, but just be aware that that those little rascals can get underfoot very easily and could potentially make you fall. So, you know, using, there is nothing wrong with using a cane. There's nothing wrong with using a walker. And a lot of people have so much resistance to it, um, to using these assistive devices. That's what they're there for, to assist Mm -hmm. you and to keep you safe. So, you know, make it fun. Make it, make your if you have to use something you know i I had a patient she's like i have 30 canes one to match every outfit i have (laughs) and that was she was like and when i go on vacation i find a fun cane (laughs) that i buy there that reminds me of that trip make it fun yeah a cane collection. I she love it. She has a cane collection, mm-hmm. and th- I love them because every time she comes in the office, I'm like, ooh, which one do you have today? Sure. It's lovely. And we talk about it for five minutes, where she got it, yes. who reminded it, or, you know, a friend bought this. Or I have someone, they carved one out of a, a stick that fell from a tree in their yard. Okay. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah, those those falls can be dangerous. I received a Christmas letter this year from a teacher I had back in my college days. And uh, in her letter, she was sharing how uh, she had, I think, a sibling who had fallen and a friend who had fallen and both led to some different medical and um, choices and housing choices for them. And so she shared in her Christmas letter that she decided to start wearing a watch that she would be able to reach out to someone oh, if yes. she fell. So let's talk about some of those things. If we are maybe living on our own, Mm -hmm. um, what can we do to make sure we have some ways to communicate with people if or when we need help? Yes. So um, life alert is probably the one that people, you know, the help I've fallen and I can't get up. That's exactly what that that is for is those devices. The unfortunate thing I see with those is a lot of times they stay on the dresser next to the bedside and they don't help if they're not on you yes. so they need to be on you they have ones that come as a watch okay. mm-hmm. ones that come as a kind of a necklace pendant but if they're on the dresser and you fell in the bathroom they are of absolutely no use to you mm-hmm. so obviously these are something that can be worn in the shower mm-hmm. and all these yep. things too they're yep. um waterproof mm-hmm. i mean the, the newer apple watches you know you can have a, a phone function with that and mm-hmm. waterproof mm-hmm. so you know Sometimes that newer technology is a little bit more challenging to figure out how to use. But this, you know, the Life Alert, it's literally, it's a button. Push Mm -hmm. the button when you need help and help will come. Mm -hmm. And they usually call like a family member. And then, you know, if they can't get a hold of that family member or if you request, you know, they can go directly to 911 and get ambulance services to come help you. Right. Uh, Andrew's grandma is in assisted living, and uh, and her place, they have a button they're supposed to push mm-hmm. every morning oh, just to let the lovely. front office know they're up and moving and doing fine. And Wonderful. so I was spending the night one time, and the office called and said, we haven't heard your button. Oh, I was distracted this morning. I, I'm good, you know. Yeah. So they just kind of do a call, check in if the button hasn't been pushed mm-hmm. that morning. So I thought that was a great that is a uh, little check-in way, mm-hmm. too, if you just have yep. your little button. And, and a lot of those assisted livings will have call lights in the bathroom, or pull cords sure. you know, if you need help. So, yeah, that's an, another way to have a little bit of independence, but still someone watching out for you. Right, right, just to make sure everyone's mm-hmm. doing okay. So let's talk about some of those when we feel like perhaps being at home isn't the 
safest or best option for mm-hmm. us anymore. How do we make some of those decisions and explore those with our mm-hmm. families and loved ones? Yeah, and I, I think that's a decision best made before you need it. So mm-hmm. to be prepared and planned because that's unfortunate. A lot of times these decisions get made when there's a crisis, when someone did fall and break a hip and now it is no longer a choice you get to make it's a decision made for you Mm -hmm. so if you want to have the time to shop around and find because you know this is going to be your home you want to make sure it's a place you're comfortable that you like the staff that you like the other you know people there so shop around Mm -hmm. don't just go to the first one that has an opening because unfortunately when you're in a crisis mode you have to take the first one that has an opening that can care for you So if you want to have a little bit more autonomy and choice in this, being proactive rather than reactive to a situation and and find out what's important to you. Is it location? Is it being close to your family? Is it uh, certain activities that they have at these areas, certain amenities? Is it cost? Mm -hmm. You know, all of those will play into what makes one place better for you than another. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, is it a place that your best friend moved into you know, right. a year ago or six right. months ago? You know, it may, might be a little bit easier to accept moving to an assisted living if you know someone who's living two doors down mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the different levels of mm-hmm. care that we can get. So um, is assisted living kind of the starting? Mm-hmm. So we- there's, there's kind of an independent senior living where there's okay. a lot of people that are of the same age, usually, and they don't get assistance, but sometimes they may have like a congregate meal or they may have like a congregate area where a day room where people can hang out, but no assistance. Okay. You know, that's, that's senior living. The next step up from that would be assisted living where, you know, there's going to be someone to help with medications, someone to check in on you, but you still have to be independent walking. You must be able to get to and from, you know, meals. Um, some places do provide all of the meals with assisted living. Um, I think that's pretty typical is that, you know, they're providing that. Um, And then you get to the next level, which would be skilled nursing care, which is what we think of when we talk about nursing homes, where they're providing total care, helping with toileting, helping with, you know, bathing, helping with, um, you know, all meals provided, doing laundry, feeding if necessary, because some people do need assistance with feeding as they get, you know, worse arthritis or dementia, um, or, you know, Parkinson's where they get too bad of a tremor to s- feed themselves. So that is the highest level of care where you're getting total care and you can have total dependence on someone else taking care of you. Mm-hmm. So, yep, those are kind of the, the, the progression of, of those care levels. Mm-hmm. How do we normally get to that decision? I mean, I feel like a lot of times it's we end up maybe going from the hospital to the situation. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it might be a transition from home to these situations, yep. too. Um. A lot of times it is a forced decision after someone fell and broke a hip. Mm-hmm. That that seems to be the, or they were in the hospital with pneumonia and we do a cognitive evaluation while they're there and go, wow, they, they aren't, they don't realize how unsafe they are. Mm-hmm. We, we see them jump up and, you know, take three steps across the room and almost fall. And if had we not been there to catch them, you know, or they don't know how to use their walker properly or safely, and then we bring in family and say, hey, we, we have concerns. Um, now, I as a doctor cannot force anyone to go anywhere. Right. I, 
people are, and unfortunately I have to remind myself, people are allowed to make bad decisions mm-hmm. and people are allowed to make bad choices. I cannot force you to go to a nursing home or to an assisted living. Um, you know, sometimes we will try to bridge that gap if people are not making the decisions I would make by utilizing home health is kind of a, a that that's a short-term bridge. We mm-hmm. can't have people on home health indefinitely, but we can use that as kind of a, let's see how you function in your home environment. Because some people do, you know, especially in the early stages of dementia, do better in their own home because they know where the sugar bowl is. It's been in that same place for 50 years. Mm-hmm. They know how to do work that washer and dryer because they've had them for 20 years. Mm-hmm. They know how to navigate this. They could walk around this house in their sleep because they know where it is. And I put them in a new unfamiliar environment and that just kind of threw everything off. Right. So kind of sometimes doing those uh, physical therapy and occupational therapy, kind of doing those home evaluations and say, how are they functioning in their home? Are they safe? Are they doing good? Are they making poor choices? You know, did we come in and we found that the tea kettle is, is you know, on the stove still hot and boiled dry? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that would make me very concerned and scared. So, you know, it really is kind of a, a decision that has to be made between the person going to this place and their family members of what do they feel comfortable. My grandmother actually both my grandmothers said I think it's time for me to go to the nursing home and they said you know I I'm ready Mm -hmm. and that was lovely I didn't have to beg plead cajole right you know Mm -hmm. convince other people take a little bit more convincing and said you know this comes from a place of love and concern I'm worried about you and I think the best place would be and I always tell people that are hesitant give it a trial Mm-hmm. This is not a prison sentence. When you when you check in the door, you can check yourself out at any time. And I have had people that do that and say, you know, after a month, like, no, I don't I want this. Work. I'm done. I'm out. But the vast majority, after they've been there for a couple weeks and settle and go, you know, this is way better than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And I have no desire to leave. Mm-hmm. This is great. I have emotional, you know, connections with people here. I like the staff. I like the other people i'm hanging out with friends i'm talking to people i'm getting three meals that i don't have to cook a day Mm -hmm. someone's helping me get to the bathroom someone's helping me you know get the things that i need i'm playing bingo i'm playing bridge there's a piano there's you know chapel services there's all the things i need to feed me and because loneliness we know kills so people sitting home alone that's awful and sometimes they get into this new environment and they flourish Mm -hmm. I mean, I had one patient, we put on hospice, because living home, I'm like, this woman does not have long for this world. She got to the nursing home, completely flourished. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I was like, I don't even recognize. She's like, I feel great. I love it here. Mm -hmm. I am having so much fun. I won bingo three times last (laughs) week. I was like, good for you. (laughs) Yeah, that is great. Yeah. So it can be a really good transition. It can be a really good transition. Mm -hmm. It's just... I think people remember the nursing homes 30, 40 years ago where there wasn't as much focus on enrichment, mm-hmm. activities, therapy. It was just somewhere you dumped a relative off and mm-hmm. ignored them. No one is being dumped off and ignored. Right. We don't want that. We want you to live as full as you can. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Shingles, also called herpes zoster, is a painful rash disease. Shingles can lead to severe nerve pain called postherpetic neuralgia that can last for months or years 
after the rash goes away. Shingles is caused by the varicella zoster virus, the same virus that causes chickenpox. If you've had chickenpox, you can get shingles. Almost one out of three people in the United States will develop shingles in their lifetime. You can get shingles at any age, but it's more common in older adults. Older adults also are more likely to have severe disease. The Center for Disease Control recommends that people age 50 and older get the shingles vaccine called Shingrex. Set an appointment to discuss shingles with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here answering our medical questions. We've been focusing today on elder care and some of those things we can do to prepare for uh, life's final season, as Dr. Holm called it. And I should say that's a great resource uh, for Mm -hmm. any of us. Uh, Dr. Holm's book, Life Final Seasons, just gives us a lot to think about and gives some really healthy, positive perspective on all of it. So if you haven't picked that one up yet. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommend that. Any final comments this morning, Dr. Cruz, um, as I would we just wrap up? Say, have those conversations with your family, whether you're the caregiver or the person needing care. Say, this is this is what I need, this is my concerns, and this is what I want. And so hopefully we can find something that honors everyone's autonomy and what's best. All right. Well, before we go, please note that we will not have a new Prairie Doc show on STPB this week due to other programming. But you can go to the Prairie Doc Facebook page where we will be sharing an encore episode on elder care. Prairie Doc host Jill Cruz will be discussing elder care for families, stresses, management, and resources to help navigate life's challenges with Dr. Priscilla Beatty from Monument Health and Dr. Joseph Reese with Avera Medical Group Geriatrics and Internal Medicine. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc Library, visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people. <laughs>